This is Allie Larder from Varsity Blues, Final Destination, and Resident Evil. And you are listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. <laughs> In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin. And they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast, uh, powered by the Roll Up Network. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, it's got everything about this podcast you need to know on there, episodes, interviews, our shop, uh all of our celebrity shout outs, uh, check out our website. It's got our links to our social medias as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We're on all of them. Give us a follow or like, because we always love interacting with our fans. Uh, just another real quick shout. We've started a Patreon, uh, the official kind and one of our own, it's called blood donors. Uh, we, ha- we have it set up now where if you want to be, you know, a monthly, uh, donor five, $10 a month, just to help us, you know, pay for the podcast. You can do that, and we have one-time, you know, uh, donation set up as well. Just check out the website. And tonight is Brother Dustin's just regular pick. Last week was his birthday pick, and uh, we kind of called it audible uh, due to reasons, and I'll let him touch on that if he wants to. <laughs> but we'll be doing Final Destination 2. Uh, Dustin, uh, give us your general thoughts, man. Yeah, so originally we were going to do Ghost of Mars, and then about halfway through the movie I realized that it's a complete – bag of dog shit um <laughs> but here's the thing i i picked bones right during guilty pleasure month and i always viewed this movie as the similar kind of movie like guilty pleasure i remember watching it and it was wasn't it was enjoyable but now i watched it it's been probably i don't know 10 15 years since i've last watched it and i tried to watch it the other day and i texted you guys immediately and i was like hey would you be mad if I called an audible? <laughs> and the consensus was no. I would actually be glad. So, um, shout out to Ice Cube. Shout out to John Carpenter. No shout out to anything else about that movie, including Jason Statham. He was just a horn dog in that movie. Um, well, shout out to Nata- Natasha Hensers, though. Come on, you gotta, you gotta at least shout her out for right? sure. She friend of the show. She's That's the, the worst friend of the show. movie ever, by the way. Friend God. of the show. It's like he tried to fit everything he's ever done into one movie. Anyway, like highlights of everything he's ever done yeah, in one movie. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't cohesive. Anyway, um, so then I text you guys. I was bouncing around some ideas. I think I narrowed it down to like four movies. So like I'm thinking about these four. You guys all said you'd be good with any of them. So I was like, you know what? Let's do Final Destination 2 because I believe, if memory serves me correctly, when I first joined Don't Go Out There as a full-time member, I believe it was Final Destination was my first pick. And um, fan of the, I'm a fan of the franchise. Now, listen, after one and two, there's some terrible movies. But one thing you can't deny, though, is that these movies give us some of the more creative and more awesome deaths that you'll ever see. And so I was like, you know what? What's something that's kind of fun? It's a fun watch. It's an easy watch that will give us certainly some diversity to choose from for our least favorite kill and favorite kill. Uh, and that I think that we'll all be in agreement is a pretty decent movie let's go with final destination 2 and 
Allie Larder, call me sometime. Suck it, Mike. Suck it, Brian. I said it first. You mother, you son of a. No, bitch. you didn't, because I'm cutting. The, I'm cutting that shit out. Man. Yeah, that hurts my yeah, heart. We're cutting you it's out. The only pal. one. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go next real quick. Uh, Dustin, you're absolutely right. That was your first pick, Final Destination. Uh, and I think I remember saying in that one that the second one was my favorite. Uh, yeah. The, the second one is my favorite. Um, it's a fun watch every single time. And, you know, like we post on our social medias, you know, if any fans got comments or questions, I think we got at least three or four comments on through various platforms about the, the log truck scene. Everybody remembers the log truck scene. It's iconic. It traumatized everyone. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Oh, no Everybody's terrified to drive behind one of the things because of this movie. <laughs> uh, I actually really like this movie. Dustin, we're on the same page for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, I really like Final Destination too. It's fun. And uh, I'm excited just to hear what all of our favorite kills are. Cause like Dustin said, all, all of them are pretty damn awesome. Yep. Uh, Brian, you want to go next general thoughts? Yeah. I actually remember seeing this one in the theater. Um, it's, and it's, I agree wholeheartedly. It's my favorite Final Destination movie as well. Although, admittedly, I have not watched the entire rest of the franchise. I mean, I've, I've seen three and I've seen parts of the fourth one. But uh, after that, I just kind of gave up on them. They were pretty bad. And, you know, we talked a little bit off air about this, but it's not just by us. I mean, it's pretty, pretty arguably considered the best in the franchise on the old interwebs as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if you listen to the show, you know that Ollie Larder is my number one celebrity crush of all time. And that right. hasn't, Fuck you. that hasn't changed since 1999. It would have been totally weird. If Dustin would have said, call me sometime, but he never said that earlier. So mm. that's totally cut mm. out. But, uh, <clears throat> anyway, friend of the show, Ollie Larder, by the way, shout out for the uh, right. intro to this episode. Um, you know, this is directed by, uh, David Ellis, rest in peace, died in, uh, 2013, but he did this, did snakes on a plane, uh, apparently came back for the final destination, which is the the fourth film in the franchise, I believe, and not the final destination. <laughs> no offense, like no offense chapter. to right, exactly. Uh, no offense to him, but you know the cinematography. I think I think it was done a little bit better with James Wong in, in the first one, uh, and apparently this is the only direct sequel in the franchise, and I use that term loosely, uh, honestly, because. While others make references, you know, this is the only continuation from the first one. And and I can get into that later, but that's probably my biggest gripe about even this movie in some parts, but the rest of the franchise as well. Um, I think the kills are amazing in this one, and it's definitely going to get high score for me. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, thank you, Dustin, for changing your pick, because golly, <laughs> I didn't want to talk about Ghost of Mars. And look, You're I respect welcome. the great John Carpenter, and I love I love me some Ice Cube. You know, we talked about that in the Anaconda episode. Like, big fan. However, so glad I don't have to poop all over those fine people. I don't want to do that. I already pooped on Colorado's face a couple weeks ago, and that wasn't very nice. So, here we go. Final Destination 2. Uh, truth be told, I'm not a big fan of this franchise as far as premise goes. Um, however, this movie is really, really fun. It's a fun watch. It's short. Gets bonus points for being... 90 minutes, like almost right on the dot 90 minutes, which is fantastic for a watch. It's It's got a really, to me, out of the Final Destination franchise, it, it has the best story, the most cohesive story. It gets a little bit uh, entangled later on in the movie, but I kind of like it. Like It does, it adds a little something to me uh, that ties it back to the original, which we've covered, which you can c catch at don't go out there.com. 
Ha! Stole your line, Brian. Ha! <laughs> also, Ali Lauder, call me sometime. But uh, listen, nope. I'm too late. I, I'm a fan of the cut. Uh, okay, whatever. I'm a fan of the film. Um, this movie, as much as I praise the story, the story isn't even necessary to me uh, because this movie is about the kills. Like nine times out of ten, we get on here. Yeah, every episode we have a favorite kill and least favorite kill. But that's not something that normally draws me to a movie, except for like a Friday the Thirteenth. You know, this guy's some cool kills. The Freddy movies have cool kills. But, like, normally that's not something that draws me to a film. This is a movie that I can put on knowing I'm going to get to see some really cool shit. The op- you, there's just so many cool kills. Uh, and I love that movie for this. Now, there's some acting that's eh, it's not so great. But uh, I think it's a fun watch. It's 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 much, much better than Jackson's original pick for this week. So, thank God. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, any more opening thoughts before we jump into the scene by scene? Just the Ali Larder should call me sometime. Let's go. Nope. Man, all these cuts. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like this totalitarian government we have here with Brian Hathaway. That's bullshit. Who? Cut. <laughs> I, I do have one more. I do have one more opening thought. I just want to let, let our listeners know, peek behind the curtain here. I told you guys. When I came home this evening, uh, my air conditioner decided not to work anymore. It's 81 degrees in my house. I'm miserable. So if I sound a little angry, I'm that's underselling. So um, bear we with underst- me. We understand. We understand with that plight. Trust me. <laughs> we understand. Oh, yeah. All right, I understand, man. My air conditioner went out twice last year. And it was the most miserable thing ever. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. Uh, film starts with a news story about the plane crash and strange events after it with title card and opening credits. Kimberly got, <laughs> I wrote she's got a dirty bedroom and a giant spider in her room. Yikes. They keep bringing up the strange ways that people died. Kimberly wakes up to the news story and her door closes suddenly. In the end, no one can escape death. Kimberly's dad checks on her before they, before they leave and Kimberly's friend is being horny in front of her dad. They drive off, and we see her car has been leaking transmission fluid. They pick the guys up, and they're heading to the interstate now. A homeless woman knocks on her window, and she drops all of her aluminum cans on the ground. Kimberly merges on the interstate and turns on the radio, and they're talking about the one-year anniversary of the plane crash. And then a great song, Highway to Hell, comes on. Uh, She gets a call from her dad that her car is leaking and to get it checked out. The guys are smoking in the back, and they see a cop behind them. A log truck passes Kimberly, and one of the guys throws the the marijuanas, as Brian would say, onto Cat's <laughs> windshield, almost lighting the leaves on fire. <laughs> she says, we need to stop, but her friend says, everything is fine. They pass another car with a kid imitating a car and truck crashing together. Rory, Rory snorts coke as Officer Burke passes him. Burke's coffee spills on him, and now the chain's holding the logs snaps and they cause a massive pile up on the highway. Kimberly sees, and I can't, you know, just watch it. I can't do justice reading it. Kimberly sees a man burn alive in his car, and a flaming semi emerges and runs into their flipped over car. But it's just a vision. She snaps out of it. Kimberly sees the lady spill the cans again and cries. She tells her friends about what she saw and predicts the radio. She blocks off the interstate, and Burke drives up to her. He asks her what's going on. She tells him about the huge pile up she visioned. She asks her to step out of the vehicle. A few people exit their vehicles asking to pass, and Kimberly tells Burke that's the log truck that's going to kill everyone. They watch the crash happen. Burke runs to grab Kimberly, 
as a semi hits Kimberly's car, killing her friends. We're at the police station now, and we hear about how lucky Evan is. He survived this wreck and won the lottery. Burke now asks Kimberly again about what happened. She tells him and the other survivors about seeing it before it happened. She now brings up Flight 180. It was a year ago today. She says her premonition was the same as his. Eugene now tells the group about the kid's death and about death and gives an evil laugh. Burke brings up Clear Rivers, who survived, who checked into a mental institution. Tim and Nora leave, and Kimberly's dad runs inside and hugs her. And then the cop dismisses the rest of the group. All right, Brian, that's the first two scenes they got. What you got for me? So, first off, I, I love the references to the first one. And, you know, the intro is obviously a lot of the same as the first one with death, you know, even waking Kimberly up the same way he did Alex. You know, now, now does it make a lot of sense with death warning them? No. Which, I mean, it's, you know, that's a gripe of mine uh, in the first one as well. Um, but also where I think like this franchise kind of falls short with nothing really like going into it even more to explain it. And, and I think that this one is the last time they even attempt, uh, you know, to explain it even a little bit. You know, although it makes no sense even in this one, to be honest. But, you know, again, we'll definitely get into it, but at least it does, this movie, I mean, keep like the death has a plan portion, which I hate the sequels abandoned uh, even further, to be honest. Props to AJ Cook, you know, the new lead for this one. I think she, I'll just say, I think she did the best with what was given to her written. I'll say that. Um you know, I was I was admittedly disappointed that Devin Sawa didn't return for this one. In fact, uh, I think only one producer carried over from the first one. You know, I, I think I was more disappointed that they killed his character off screen with a freaking brick. And, you know, mixed bag of reports on whether or not that was contract issues or wanting more money or script concerns. But either way, your boy here is glad that the fam- fabulous Mrs. Larder came back. Um, so let me talk about this epic opening here just a little bit. I've said this is... I've said this like before, I think, but I think this is top five best horror movie openings, I think, ever. Um, yeah. Every, everyone always says, you know, me included, that that when, when you're on the interstate, you think about this opening when you're around a log truck, which which is another thing, which is another thing because like, you know, the plane fears in the first one kind of play off your your fear of, of uh, flying. This one plays off your fear of driving on the interstate, which affects a lot of people. And uh, now you definitely have to suspend the belief of physics in this movie and uh, the way things work in the real world. But and I'm totally OK with that. You, you just have to know that, I guess, going in And uh, you know, the CGI logs, I think, still look fantastic. Um, they're CGI because they don't bounce like that in real life. But, uh, you know, you get you get cars just exploding really for no reason. <laughs> Obviously, Evan hits the gas tank to explain it. But but holy shit, again, just just fantastic visuals even all these years later and i think because most of it was done practical effects for the most part obviously you get all these hints the highway to hell on the radio um which i'll let y'all get into is there's so much to impact or unpack there but you know what i liked especially was was the bus from mount mount abraham's high school uh, for the first one driving by i love that little touch but but yeah this pile up just the fucking logistics of that is just still amazing top five top three horror movie openings of all time. I can't think of one that's better right now off the top of my head, but I'm just putting in three to be safe. Um, lastly, the police station. I, what? I mean, I, not exactly standard procedure there, but, you know, and why is Evan even in a different room? I don't know. The whole thing to me, like, just doesn't make sense except to just unnecessarily, you know, have exposition 
uh, to explain the first film, which is a waste of time in my opinion, but um, that's all I have. Yeah. So kind of like I said in my open, a lot of the story in this movie, while I don't hate it, is kind of a waste of time. And this opening scene proves it. <laughs> we just get to see some really cool stuff. Uh, but before we get there, God, it always bugged me every time I've seen this movie where her friend is openly talking about she's horny and she's ready to leave in the driveway. And all I could think of was Dave Chappelle when he was pretending to be JFK talking to Mary Monroe like, bitch, are you out your fucking mind? My wife is right here. <laughs> That's what I can think of. Uh, except that would be her dad. Uh, no, so again, I like, you know, we're establishing some familial connection and stuff. And once this wreck scene started happening, just because, the, I mean, I'm going back to the first time I ever saw this movie. I was like, eh, something told me this is some kind of premonition or whatever. You can almost tell. I... I kind of like this franchise for that. I mean, I don't love the franchise, but I like what they do with whether you know, you don't sometimes know it's a premonition or it could be a real kill. Like, I really kind of like that they do that a little bit. Um, but golly, Brian, you said it all, man. This opening crash scene kill, and, you know, before we get there, not a lot of memorable characters to me, like in the car, like, eh, take them or leave them. But once we get into the accident with the logs, which I know we talked about at the top of the show, everyone's scared to drive behind one of them motherfuckers. I am still because I, I swerve out of there as fast as I can, especially if I'm in a company vehicle. But <laughs> like, we're going to get on over here. Uh, I love the way they do it. And I know they use CGI logs, but like you said, they tried to use real logs. and They just didn't have the right balance. Um, I thought that was really cool. But I, God, I love that kill on Officer Burke. It looks awesome. Yeah. The law going, the head going through the back of the windshield is really, really cool. And then everything just snowballs from there. The motorcycle kill is awesome. Which you know, <laughs> if you watch the, you know, the kill cards of this, they kind of show some behind the scenes, and it's on the DVD as too. But like people being dragged and like how they pulled all of that off is almost as cool as how it comes across in the movie. Like learning how all that's done, I think is really, really cool. Um, just a, just a great opening scene like is it one of the top in horror history probably like if i had a top 10 list which i've never compiled if i had a top 10 list i would probably say it's pretty damn up there like i think it's pretty awesome uh i mean top five i'd have to really sit down and think about because there's some really cool i mean is it better than scream no is it good hell yeah it's good um yeah so but again i, I love how it, like right at the right as the semi comes ends up coming out of her eye which i think is that's really weird. <laughs> like, you. Uh, but anyway, I I like that. I do like this story more than the first movie. Like, I think, her, you know, her having that premonition and then telling the cop all oh, this is about to happen. Da, 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 I like that a lot. Um, but everything is. By the way, Brian, you said it about the station. This whole movie is shoddy ass police work. This, I. I'm gonna have to call in Deputy Dewey for this fucking movie. That's how bad heard me? this police work is. What? You heard me? You damn huh? right. You damn oh, right. Oh, about Deputy. Well, hold on now. I didn't look. Look, there's there's the cops from Halloween Five. Okay. There's those cops from this movie, and then Deputy Dewey's like just a little bit above the cops from Halloween Five. That's all I'm saying. You mm. know what I mean? Freddy versus anyway, Jason no, cops are pretty it's trash. Really, it's hard to. Oh, yeah, they're awful. Oh, God, Lee, I forgot about that. Let's not go over that again. But, 
uh, yeah, really hard to rail against this set of scenes because the opening is so badass. Um, it, it looks like right out of a James Bond movie with all the explosions and stuff. Like, I think it's really, really good. So, uh, really fun opening set of scenes to bring us into the movie. Yeah, so this set of scenes is a great opening. Um, I agree with what you said, Brian, um, as far as it being a top three opening scene. Now, just off the top of my head, because I hadn't actually thought about that, but when I you mean, said that, I was like, you know, what immediately pops into my head? Uh, I would say this, the opening scene to Scream, the first Scream, yeah. and uh, the opening scene to Friday the 13th Part 6, the graveyard scene. Um, those, to me, are probably my favorite three just off the top of my head and this one is rivals scream it for, i would yeah throw, I, I would throw nightmare on elm street in there too the first yeah one. and i know you don't nightmare. like freddy that much but the first nightmare on elm street opener is great great opening scene uh and then sounds like a bonus episode like sounds like a bonus episode <laughs> sounds like a bonus show it chapter one the scream the, the a lot of the scream movies have great opening scenes um so yeah i mean there's there's definitely some just off Absolutely. top of my head though this definitely rivals any of those uh, for the best. Now, I do think it's uh, it's a little hokey that she woke up at 108 when it was flight 180 that went down. Whatever, I can forgive it. I can forgive it. Um, we do get the worst line in the entire film when she's like, you guys already touched on, she's like, can we go pick up the guys? I'm getting horny. And that slutty-ass voice. Um, I mean, if she... Listen, they could pick me up, but listen... Um, (laughs) (laughs) another question that i have about the opening scene the woman that knocks on the window with the cans is that the same hobo woman from home alone 2 with the birds is is that her like she looks like her um (laughs) it's very similar it does look like her (laughs) but this opening scene is pure chaos and i love it uh i another question i have did michael bay direct this opening scene because holy shit, you want to talk about unnecessary explosions. <laughs> That's his calling card. And I don't know how many vehicle accidents you guys have witnessed or been a part of, but cars don't really explode like that. But it looks so awesome that, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And, you know, you get the guy that's burning up in his car. You get Eugene getting killed by his own bike. Uh, you know, just phenomenal. The, the blood splatter of uh, when Burke's head gets pushed back through his back glass. Just phenomenal scene. Um, they got these explosions from Explosion RS, in case you're wondering. Um, the, but the kills were awesome. It's just, it, it's kind of a shame that they weren't real kills. So I don't know how you guys did your favorite kill, least favorite kill. If you included something that happened in this opening scene, I can understand it just because how awesome they were. Um, yep. Now, as far as police work, like you said, Burke is one of the worst cops ever because... A real cop would tell her to move her vehicle to the side of the road instead of just holding up traffic, especially when the lady's like, hey, I got to get going. He's like, you just get back in your car. And he still doesn't tell her to move her car out of the road. I'm like, that's that's just bad police cop or police work. Um, I didn't like Eugene when they're all gathered and he starts telling the, you know, basically the recap of what happened in the first one and how death was haunting them. <laughs> I hate that. That's corny. Don't don't need that, but it's okay. Now, I do have an explanation for Devin Sawa's absence. Uh, Final Destination was released in the year 2000. This movie was shot in, or released in 2003. Now, if you remember, Devin Sawa very clearly drove his car off a bridge with his girlfriend in the trunk oh, when he was Eminem's stand. That's right. And I, that was in the year 2000. Right. So 
Devin saw what died in the Eminem video. That's why he couldn't be in this video, this movie. But <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> overall, great opening scene, and it's just it's one of those opening scenes that hooks you immediately. And no matter what happens from here on, you're invested just because how awesome it was. Dude, I, I on that note, I tried to come up with a rhyme for for Devin Sauer and Stan and Ball like dear clear. I couldn't come up with anything good. I don't I don't have the skill, but I golly, I'm telling you, I sat on the couch for at least 15 minutes earlier and tried to come up with something. because like, you really, as we're about to get into, you really don't get any satisfaction with the death of that character. And so I was really trying to come up with some kind of stand explanation. So I'm really glad you did that because I don't have a cool, funny rhyme. Just I would <laughs> instead tomorrow morning when I hit the gym, I'll just listen to Stan. That's what I'll do. His tea went cold. He's wondering why. All right. Uh, back at Kimberly's house, she asked her dad about if her mom had visions or premonitions. She tells dad she's really scared for the others and says it's not over yet. Evan walks into his apartment building with all kind of new goodies for his house. For example, like an iMac. He throws some old pasta out the window and uses the same dirty pan to cook, and he takes his shirt off. He, he Big Matthew McConaughey vibes. He pours some grease in the pan, and a wind blows through the house. He puts some Chinese food into the toaster oven with a magnet in it unknowingly. He puts on his new watch and gets a lot of voicemails from greedy people. His ring falls down the sink, and he reaches to grab it, but his hand is stuck now. Sparks come from the microwave oven, and now a grease fire starts. He knocks the pan on the ground, causing a bigger fire. He gets his hand free and tries to extinguish the fire to no success. Death closes the windows, but he breaks out and uses the fire escape to get free. He climbs down the ladder and then slips on the pasta he threw out, and then the ladder falls through the ground through his eye, killing him, which is an awesome kill. Uh, back to Burke, and he's on the internet researching the freak accident deaths from Flight 180. We learn even Alex died from a falling brick. Cat is at home on the treadmill smoking, and the other survivors hear on the news about the deaths from the accident. They now hear about Evan's freak death, and all are paying very close attention. Tim is reading in bed, and his mom brings him some sleeping pills and tells him of his dentist trip tomorrow. Back to Kimberly, and she's tossing and turning in bed, and she wakes up and sees weird shadows on her ceiling from the trees. She gets on her computer and reads about clear rivers. She gets directions to how to get to the mental the mental institution she's at. She makes it to Stony Brook, and the administrator tells her of all the things she can't bring with her to visit Clear. Clear suspects she's dangerous. They tell Kimberly she's volunteer voluntarily there. Kimberly sees on the wall all the articles and pictures from the 180 crash. She tells Clear she saw the pilot before it happened. Clear tells her of death's list and how the survivors of 180 died. Kimberly tells Clear that her friends died last in the premonition, and she tells Clear the order. She's puzzled by this. Clear tells her to pay attention to the signs she saw. Clear tells Kimberly to get out. She tells Clear she's bitter and a coward and shoots her a bird as she exits. Burke arrives at Kimberly's house, and he tells her that all the survivors are meeting at his apartment. She sees a vision of pigeons in her door. She tells him of what Clear said, and Nora and Tim are in danger. Clear rips her wristband off to leave the facility. All right, go ahead, Brian. So Evan's death, I want to take some issue with. Um, you know, one of my favorite deaths in the first one was that sudden bus out of nowhere. Now, I mean, and I believe my least favorite death, if I remember correctly, um, was Miss Luton's. And, you know, 
it's Miss Luton's death that we basically like or get like moving forward in this franchise. It's the super elaborate, this dominoes into this dominoes into this, creating this fake out after fake out after fake out until you finally get there. But by then, like you're almost exhausted. And I don't know, I'm way less of a fan of these type, no doubt. Um, you know, you definitely have the magnets on the fridge foreshadowing spelling. I here that the dolly trips over is missing the eye. By the way, it didn't miss my keen perception that Evan, to me, it looks a lot like Devin Sawa. Just throwing that out there. But uh, but once we finally get into Evan's death, you know, again, I don't care about the physics not really making sense or him not just rolling out of the way. But holy shit, I thought that looked fantastic. Uh, still holds, holds up after all these years. Um, and my man definitely needs some moisturizer. <laughs> a little, uh, little thing I noticed is that you can definitely uh, see the ground give way a little bit as uh as david pet cow hits the ground there um you know it kind of folds and bends a little bit another nitpick i have is a deputy looking up the info from the first one and then you have these pictures of the victims which there's no way some of them could have been taken they make some of them make no sense and are super different from what even happened in the movie um like the shot i believe of todd in the bathtub i think his name was todd um like just just care a little bit i mean details like that we notice in franchises um, by the way, Thomas Burt played, uh, played by Michael Landis was Jimmy Olsen in the old Dean Kane Terry Hatcher, Superman series. I used to watch when I was a kid religiously, um, just a little fun fact there. Um, another interesting fun fact, Tim's reading a Stephen King book in his bed called bag of bones. That's uh, foreshadowing what's coming up. And, uh, you know, and Tim's played by, uh, an actor with by far the coolest name of all time, James Kirk, as in captain James Kirk. Well, he uh, he was actually in the first one as an uncredited extra as well. So, um, and also there's a there's a picture of all the crew from the first one in Clear's room, which obviously is a production photo because it makes no sense whatsoever. None of them actually liked each other, much less all took a picture all together in the first one. So, you know, I, and I have some more about this whole writing here with the rules. So I'm going to save that though for a little bit later since I've kind of gone on a little bit long here, but. But put a bookmark in that one because that's coming up. And lastly, a little cool little tidbit. Nico Love, Stony Brook Institution. My girl Clear is in actually the same sanatorium used in the opening of Halloween Resurrection. Great to see Clear again anyway. Watch out for that little TV monitor in there too, Allie Larder. Just letting you know. Maybe dangerous. Go ahead. First of all, let's watch how you talk to Allie. Let's, let's, let's relax. I'm sorry, I, I can't hear you, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> look, uh, again, we talked about it already. This movie's known for having a lot of really good deaths, and the kill of Evan is no different. Um, I don't – one thing I don't like about this franchise is how loose the rules are with how death is applied. I'm not a big fan of that. It doesn't It doesn't have any continuity without the fr- – or throughout the entire franchise to me. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um, but you know, as soon as this lottery winning douchebag guy takes his shirt off, he's dead. Like that's just kind of how horror movies work. So I was like, I was really interested the first time I ever saw it to see how they did it. And it's awesome. Um, him throwing that spaghetti away is like saying, here you go, peasants. Here's some, here's some, uh, chef RD spaghetti. I'm throwing it in the alley. I won the fucking lottery. Um, but yeah, I really, really think, it's a good scene, him trying to get out of his apartment and all the 
shenanigans that unfold through that and him jumping out, you know, breaking the window, down the fire escape. You know, he falls on the ground and it looks like he's going to be saved and then it going right through his eye, which doesn't, that effect doesn't age awesome, but it's fun. Like it's, a, it doesn't take away from the scene to me. Like it's really, really cool. Um, I had, you know, and, and a lot of people have said this. I watched some uh, other review stuff, you know, kind of get ready for this. <laughs> the character of Tim is very weird to me because I don't know. I, I, I don't like, I know they say his age later, but like his, he could have been 12 or he could have been 19. Like it was a very ambiguous middle ground there. Uh, I thought it was very, very weird. Just kind of the character he was playing. He looks like one of the mean kids from uh, not little rascals, but from Sandlot. Like he just doesn't, he it's, it's very, very strange to me. Um, you play ball like a girl. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of in that. Yeah. What did he's you kind say? of in that. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Here we go. Uh, yeah. So, in the you know we're in the mental asylum or insane asylum or whatever you want to call that, and you can almost tell like without knowing that fun fact, right? You, you can almost tell that's the same one from Halloween Resurrection for some reason. Like I don't know, it just like mentally clicks for me. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thing. But look, I love the character of Clear Rivers. I think it's really I think Ali Larder. This is some of her best acting stuff to me. Um, however. I, I said it in the first Final Destination episode we did. I'm saying it now. Clear is a stupid name for a person. Clear. So if your name is Clear, I'm very, very sorry if you're listening to this. Um, I don't want to insult anybody personally, but Clear, Clear Rivers. Okay, maybe not even so much the name Clear. Clear Rivers is really, really bad. I mean, that's not what we do here, man. But again, love the character. Love that she decides to join the fight because if it would have been a cameo like we get from another famous actor later, I would have been a little pissed off about that if, if that's all we got from her. But I love that she becomes a main character in this film as well. So um, not a bad set of scenes. It has one really awesome kill, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you guys took or said a lot of what I was going to say. So it's just I do find it kind of ironic that he died after he threw mom's spaghetti out the window. That's the second Eminem reference on this episode. Um, you touched on <laughs> how... hates Eminem. You're good. I don't hate Eminem. He just doesn't make good music. There's a very big difference. Um, I, I, you touched on, Brian, how the, the signs were there. I do like the little ominous hints they give us with the baby doll that's missing the eye and then the magnets on the fridge spelling out I. I enjoy that. Um, and then his death was cool. Like It looked great. The ladder going through the eye. But it's also funny. Like, I don't know why, but it just cracks me up. Like, he's laying there and the ladder catches. He's like, oh, thank God. And then, psych, bitch. Like, right through the eye. Love that. Um, How old is Tim? Like, he's such a weird character. Like, he's being tucked into bed, but he smokes. We find that out later. Exactly. Uh, What the fuck? And then I read that he was originally written to be a nine-year-old kid. So, okay, that makes the tucked into bed part make sense. But then they changed it to 13, and then they changed it to 15 because the studio felt weird about killing off a young child. But just fucking go for it, man. Go for it. No no disrespect to uh, any kids that may be listening. God, please don't let your kids listen to this show. But... It would have been really cool to see a nine-year-old kid die the way that he died. Sorry. 
Because we don't see that. That's the only reason we don't see that. Obviously, I don't want any kids to die. Live long, full, and healthy lives. But um, uh, love the balls of having of being able to kill a kid in a movie. Love the balls of that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and well, and the past couple episodes, you know, I've given out the man fuck them kids award. Had they made him nine years old, then the studio would have got the man fuck them kids award for this episode. So it just would have been awesome all around. <laughs> um, but overall, it's yep. it's a. I was just going to say it would, it explains too, like the, the whole kitty aspect of the dentist, the next scenes and the damn, you know, what 15 year old is going to be like run and go into the pigeons. That's something yeah. a nine year old kid would do. So yeah, exactly. like it makes, uh, how would you, why would you change that? But yet not change the plot points and be like, Oh, well let's just add this line in here about smoking and, and yep. like, you know, feeling me up in the gas that just makes it all just fucking really weird. Yeah, it's almost like they were too far along to change that much. Like it, it seems like it was a last minute decision. Wait, that's too. We can't do that. Let's just make him fifteen. Add this one line of dialogue to make him seem older. You know. Um, but it did. That's that's one of my biggest gripes with this movie. Uh, Tim is the worst character in the movie. I, I hated him because I couldn't couldn't figure him out. Yeah. Um, but overall, another good set of scenes that has a really cool death. So uh, I'm still all in at this point. All right, we're at the dentist's office now, and Tim goes back, and he tells the dentist he missed yesterday's appointment because of the pileup on the interstate. We see the aquarium is leaking onto an electrical outlet. The two get jump-scared by some pigeons hitting the window, and the dentist goes to give him a numbing shot, but they decide on the laughing gas. Water covers the floor, and he begins to operate. And I wrote, I don't think Tim's numb yet because you see tears run out of his eye. The dentist walks out as a pigeon breaks through the glass. The oxygen tank turns off and he's only getting pure laughing gas now. And a fish toy falls into Tim's open mouth and he's not able to breathe. The dental assistant walks in saving his life. Tim and Nora walk out and Burke and Kimberly yell to warn them. Tim runs into the middle of some pigeons trying to scatter them. And the equipment operator accidentally hits the lever, dropping the sheet of glass on him, crushing him. Nora cries at the sight of her dead son. Burke tells Kimberly Nora's not coming to the apartment meeting. She asks Burke, this is really happening again, isn't it? She thinks they're all going to die, and she's so scared. Then Clear Rivers arrives. She tells her of Tim's death. The three make it to Mr. Bloodworth. They, I wrote, they enter the dungeon, because it looks like a dungeon to me. And he greets Clear as he pushes Evan's dead body. He's been expecting her. He tells Clear you can't escape death. She says the design is flawed. People are always most alive right before they die, don't you think, he says. Kimberly grabs his arm as she, as she walks away and asks for any help. Only new life can't defeat death. New life could invalidate the list. You have to follow the signs, Kimberly. He smiles as she asks how he knew her name already. Clear slaps the guy lighting a lighter by the gas tanks. Kimberly has a premonition seeing a vehicle crashing into a lake and drowning. We see vehicle madness. Drop propane tanks, uh, like electrical lines popping. And Clear asks what she saw. She tells her of drowning in the lake after crashing. Burke brings up the pregnant woman on the interstate, and Clear says a brand new soul would interrupt death's list. Burke pulls the footage from his car to find her. Her name is Isabella Hudson. All right, Brian, go ahead. Okay, so this is probably my least favorite section of the whole movie here. Um, Let me go back to what I was talking about with that last set. So it doesn't make any sense with this whole order thing because hell, if, if death is working backwards, then shouldn't clear definitely be last. 
I mean, regardless anyway, like apparently the writers literally said the rules didn't matter and that all that mattered was the kills. And this is where I kind of probably disagree with Mike a little bit on like to an extent. Yeah, that's that's why people come for, you know, come for it and what the franchise is known for. Um, I would like to see you get to that point and still have a good story um, with rules. But I mean, that's why it bothers me. And I hate I hate that line of thinking, like which is which is why obviously I guess they break their own rules, which obviously don't matter. But even in this particular set of scenes, like at the dentist, usually when when death wants to kill you and it decides to give you this elaborate domino effect of things, it, it leads to something like at least at least it leads to like one. And this whole dentist scene, it almost is like a whole bunch of tries, but just like kept, kept failing. Like it was like, tried this, tried this, tried this. And that's just it's different than you see in any other other kills. But regardless, like when you get to the end of that domino effect, and you got the try and it failed, shouldn't it have, according to the rules that they did establish, jump to the next person? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. And like I said, I hated the whole entire dentist office scene. It just, to me, it stretched out as like filler to me, just fake out after fake out. Um, now the kill in the running for the be- for one of the best in the movie to me, it should have just, I, I think it, that kill should have just been like the bus or, or just been one of those surprise shocking kills and, and not the whole BS fake out buildup. And, and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Tim originally being nine and stuff, but I, I would like to say, I don't know how you would get him in a body bag that looked normal after that. I mean, it would almost be, I guess, like Stephen King's old bag of bones or whatever. It would be like just a gob of mush. It looked like anyway, but uh, lastly, friend of the show, Tony Todd making another appearance and, I mean, you said it, I I wrote down the worst looking morgue of all time or cave or dungeon or whatever. I don't even know. I don't even know his name, honestly, in any of these movies. But Candyman, if you'll notice, even has Evan's watch on, which I guess and also gives a little bit of foreshadowing of of Clear's death, which I don't really want to talk about because it's out of order. But, you know, saying she has fire inside of her now. Yeah, we'll just we'll skip that part. But you know what? I bet you his dad jokes are definitely on point. Like that's what I thought about. I was like, man, you know what? I bet you he has some elite dad jokes. Um, and, but also like this whole new life subplot ending thing. I wasn't like the biggest fan of that anyway, but I did like how it kind of harked back to the original alternate ending of the first movie, which, which we did talk about uh, when we reviewed that film about, you know, having clear, having a baby and, you know, and kind of, with Alex and that kind of stopping the whole, the whole thing. But anyway, that's all I had on that group. Yeah. I I'm right there with you, Brian. This is probably my least favorite set of scenes because of the dentist office stuff. Um, I think it's too long. Um, I don't know if they're trying to add some comedic relief in here because of the time period that this movie was put out. Like that's kind of the direction a lot of horror was in at the time. And so I'm not like a huge fan of it. I, you know, like you said, there's a lot of fake outs and again, it's, you know, everything that happened. First of all, he makes the pedo joke, which I don't have a huge problem with. Like, I kind of thought it was funny. Like a, a lot of people that, you know, after reading into some stuff online, didn't have a great time with that one. I don't know. I thought, kind of thought it was humorous, but then, you know, you get in the dentist office and everything that happens, like the bird flying in the window and the water, you know, sprouting out and all that stuff. And then he ends up with a fish in his mouth. Like the whole thing is, it's weird. It would have, 
I don't know what they would have done to have a fish in his mouth and end up killing him besides choking him, which that's not near enough. It's not near of a cool enough kill for this film. So, you know, he leaves there. And then we get what I – I'm not going to give anything away because I'm still battling in my head between two kills for, for my favorite. But this one's up there. The I guess accordion kill is what you would call it. It's awesome. To, to have him die that way is really cool. I love that they did – you know, they used dummies and very practical effects and stuff like that. Like, I think that's really, really cool. Uh, highly recommend going to watch the behind the scenes on this movie so you can see how a lot of these kills were done. Um, I love that we get a Tony Todd cameo. Love me some Tony Todd. One of the best voices of all time. He can narrate my life and that'd be great. Uh, you know, when we covered Candyman, I, uh, like, I can't do it now, but I did it really good on that episode. So if you ever just want to clip that out for me, Brian, <laughs> I'd, I'd be happy because I'll probably never be able to nail the Candyman voice that good again. Um, <laughs> I, I love Tony Todd. I think he's a freaking legend. Um, I wish he was in more of this movie. Um, and I don't know what it would do or how it would work out, but I wish he was in more of the first two movies. Like, I think he could have a really good character. And yeah. you know, his, his morgue looks like a spooky 1940s Dracula layer or some shit. Like, it's just not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's not like any kind of morgue I've been in before. So that was kind of weird. Um, it looks how many like morgues have you been in? The thriller music video, two. <laughs> okay, hey, he, I'm just saying that more looks like the Undertaker. Hey, that one looks like Paul Bears and his and Undertaker's mommy, as he said back in the day. That looks like the morgue they had, bud. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Uh, actually, that was a funeral home, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, that's all I have because it's really again, this is probably my least favorite set of scenes, I think, because just not enough happens. Not enough good happens except the kill, and then we get a Tony Todd cameo, so that's always good. And by the way, watch how you talk about Albie Larder, bud. Relax. What was that? What? Excuse me? Anywho, um, this set of scenes, I agree with what you said, Brian. This set of scenes is uh, probably my least favorite set of scenes just because of the overall um, nature of them. Um, I do like that we get the inspiration from that epic Finding Nemo scene with the dentist office. Um, I honestly thought the fish were going to try to make an escape out the window when I was rewatching this. Um, but <laughs> it did lead to a fantastic death with Tim. But like I said, last set of scenes, how old is this kid? He's 15. Uh, when you guys were 15, did you run into a group of pigeons like that and scatter the birds? Nah, I'd hope not. Um, yeah, so that, that the setup didn't work for me, but. The overall death was awesome, especially since, man, fuck that kid. Like, I wanted him dead anyway just because I was tired of his character. Um, I do love that we get Tony Todd being Tony Todd. Like you guys said, it's great anytime we get a cameo from him and his iconic voice and his just creepy nature in general. So I love that. But what he was saying didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like you said, Brian, like the the inverse order and all this shit and only uh, nude birth can negate death or whatever the hell he said like it's just a lot i don't really need that in the final destination movie like let's just kill some people don't don't overthink it don't get too complicated um but overall it's an okay set of scenes it's just definitely took a step back from the first couple that we covered all right they leave the station and head to the meeting rory gets his legs stuck in the elevator and pesters the other guy in there with him Nora asks for a volume, and she's scared because she's next. 
Clear tells her she's not next and doesn't have to be next. Kimberly says if you know what to look for, you have a chance. Eugene calls bullshit. He says no one's after us but you. He picks his coat up and causes a kayak to launch at her. Clear says they need to look after each other. The cops pull Isabella over and ask, and she asks what she's done. They start to safe up Burke's place is what I, how I wrote it. Nora tells Kimberly if it's her time to go, she's ready because she's been through so much tragedy. She leaves the apartment. Eugene tells Kimberly he controls his life, not some crazy list. Burke asks Eugene to give this phone to Nora if he doesn't believe. Rory is attacked by a bunch of stuff in a closet. Eugene and Nora board the elevator with a guy full of like prosthetic arms or hands or something. Rory sees a man with hooks in a shadow. They run out the apartment to the elevator. We see the guy in the elevator sniffing Nora's hair and the phone rings. They don't have a good connection. He says a man with hooks is going to kill her. Her hair is tangled in the arm. The elevator opens and she runs out, but she's trapped. The elevator kills her, ripping her head off. Burke gets the call Isabel was pulled over and Eugene runs in Burke's room and pulls a gun on them. They try to calm him down and he puts it to his head. He tries to shoot himself to no success. Death wouldn't allow him to kill himself. The gun was fully loaded. It wasn't his turn to die, Clear says. They're driving and Rory run. Oh, Rory asks if this is even safe. Isabella pleads her case to be set free to no success. Her water breaks and the officer freaks out. She says she's not having her baby in the jail cell and get me to the hospital. She tells him to take her van. Eugene says this isn't the first time he cheated death. And the group now tells their stories of how they all cheated death. All their deaths linked to people from Flight 180. Isabella and the officer are driving like crazy. Clear says being alive caused a ripple in death's design. If the original survivors died on the plane, the rest of the group would already be dead. And the next two scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. So this whole plan, like, how do they even know how far along the pregnant girl is anyway? Like, what was their plan? They were just planning on staying in that apartment and just, like, locked up and uh, un- until she gives birth? Like, what if that was a month away? It's just, I don't know. That's, to me, it was that was thin. That was thin plot line there. Um, plus, Rory's a fucking idiot. I mean, if you see the bowling ball moving in the closet and still try to hang up that bag in there, you deserve it. You deserve to skate to the face. But, uh, you know, and that, def- <laughs> that definitely sucked for uh, Laura because had, had Clear not pushed the button on the level above before she ran down the stairs, elevator would have never been going back up. So just saying, but, um, and I'm sure there's a dad headless joke here, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave that one alone because I had the moisturizer earlier. And I I think that was enough for the one episode. Um, and I will say while they're in the car and they're talking about how they should have died like the year before, but it all changed because of Alex. This is the stuff that I really liked. And I, I, I think that, I think that it should have been explored even more throughout not only just the franchise, but especially in this movie. I mean, the whole sort of like butterfly effect and yes, the writers go on to write the butterfly effect later on, but just, I I like how it ties it in more to the first one. It's just, it kind of makes it more of a direct sequel. And it's just, although it's never talked about again, um, I really enjoyed that part and I'm glad that they put that in there. Yeah. So, I, man, I hate the plan with the pregnant woman. I, you know, I texted probably a couple hours before we do this show. I was rewatching it just to be fresh because I watched it last week or, or, you know, on Sunday. And so I always like to have like it fresh in my head. 
I this is probably my least cared about pregnant woman of all time. Like I just <laughs> do not care about this subplot. Um, and I get the new life thing, and I think that's creative, and it, 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 it's fine. But I don't. I just there's like you said in this set of scenes, we do get some really solid story development when they're all in the car and they're all talking about how they should have died or almost died or whatever. I think that stuff's really strong. But like all of this other stuff, it makes it convoluted and and complicated. And when I'm in this movie for just the kills, for the most part, like I don't need all of this. And I think the plan they hatch there at the gas station is terrible. Also, at the gas station, suck my junk biatch is really, really <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Also, the way that the alley larder or clear just, just kind of like yeets that kid's neck is <laughs> Jesus. If somebody eat my neck like that, I'd tell them to suck my junk too. Um, also have here, and I said it before the show, man, if somebody's yelling at me while I'm choking, what is <laughs> you like, Bitch, give me five fucking seconds. I'm choking here, man. Like, calm the fuck down. Clear? Your name is Clear. I don't want to hear anything from you. Anyway, sorry. God, I hope there's not a listener named Clear. I'm going to be so sad. Um, probably not. Well, there's not anymore. Anyway. So. <laughs> we lost them a long time ago. I love you. Thank you for uh, listening to Don't Too Go Out There. And you can listen to all of our good stuff at don'tgooutthere.com. Um, and then the character after you. That's how great it is. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like all the stuff in the car where they're talking about, you know, the, the, the well, if this happened, this wouldn't have happened. And if you guys don't ever get off the plane, then this ha- – like, I like all that too, Brian. Like, I think that's strong story stuff. The problem is they don't – it's not – it's almost too late in the film for me to care about it. It's, it's it's a little too little, too late for that. And then you get the sequels after this. They never talk about that shit again. Like, I really – like – and so watching it with that in hindsight, like, I just wish it would have been touched on a little bit more. So uh, that's pretty much all I had on that. Yeah, so this set of scenes starts off. We get a random ass moment where Rory's sticking a dog shit covered boot in someone's in a stranger's face in the elevator. Why? <laughs> what, an what was, asshole. What was the, an asshole. Fuck him. What's the point? Like, what, it's completely unnecessary. And then we get an old man sniffing uh, old girl's hair again. Why? What is the point of that? Like the deaths don't mean any more or any less because of those two things so that's just weird writing to me um we did get an awesome decapitation though when her head gets stuck in the elevator and then her body comes down but the head's still there yep. that was awesome as michael scott would say her kappa was detated and it was awesome um <laughs> it was completely wild when eugene's got the gun and it misfires six times like that was an intense scene because it's like, nah, death's, death's not going to let you go like that. Um, that was crazy. I did like the booby trap that, the booby trap that we got that was set off by the pool ball rolling into the mouse trap. That was awesome. Like That's just one of those Home Alone type traps that I always love. Uh, very elaborate. <laughs> and the boat goes through the window. That was cool. Um, now, was it awesome in the sense of uh, non-hokiness? No, it was completely hokey. But I, I, I fuck with it. The... Uh, Connecting of the scenes, or the connecting of the dot scene, I thought was great. I actually love that. I love how there was the callbacks to, oh, okay, we all are in the circumstances we are because 
the flight 180 survivors not dying put us in different circumstances. I thought that was cool. I thought that was a great callback. And um, overall, I thought this was a very solid yeah. set of scenes. It was just thrown off by a dog shit covered boot and a hair sniffing pervert. Didn't need either of those. Oh, here's the ending. Cat's vehicle tire blows out and they almost hit Isabella's van. Cat swerves off the road through some hay bales and fence posts. And PVC flies through the back, almost piercing Cat's head. Eugene is hurt. The officer radios for help to show up. Some other people arrive and call for an ambulance. Cat asks a farmer to help her out to no success. Eugene is hauled off on a stretcher in an ambulance. Clear tries to tell the EMT to be safe of any hazards. Rory saves the farm assistant from being hit. The news van backs into a rock, piercing the fuel tank, causing gas to run down the piece of pipe in the ground. Rory asks Kimberly if it's going to hurt when he dies. He gives her his wallet and keys and asks if she'll throw all his drugs and pornography away so it doesn't break his mom's heart. Bert gets notified that Isabella's in the hospital. Cat tells them to go to the hospital. She'll be fine. The firefighters engage the airbag, causing Cat's head to be pierced by the PVC. Another awesome-looking death. She drops her cigarette into the gas, causing an explosion, which launches a piece of barbed wire fence that cuts Rory into three pieces. Kimberly has another premonition at the hospital, seeing a doctor trying to choke her. She thinks a nurse is going to try and kill Isabella. She's in birth now, and there's complications. Eugene overhears of the two freak accident deaths. His door randomly shuts and all the vents close. The three make it to the hospital. Clear leaves to go find Eugene. Eugene's bed rolls to where it looks where it's unplugging his oxygen. The baby is losing oxygen. Kimberly barges in and asks Isabella if the baby is okay, and they deliver the beautiful, clean baby. Doesn't look like it was newborn at all. Eugene's oxygen begins to work again. Isabella asks, Who the hell are they? Clear couldn't find Eugene and she hugs Kimberly. Kimberly has another premonition saying she doesn't believe Isabella was supposed to die anyways. She says someone with bloody hands after another late premonition. They head to Eugene's room. Clear opens the door, causing an electrical spark, blowing the room up, killing her and Eugene. Kimberly sees she has bloody hands now. She sees the doctor in the CG machine. She sees a lake in the white van. She tells Burke she has to die. She kisses his cheek and says to get the doctor. She hijacks the van and drives it into the lake. The van fills with water as Burke swims to her. The door is locked so he uses his gun to try and break the glass. We get flashbacks as Kimberly passes away from drowning. We're in the hospital now and Kimberly has been resuscitated. Thanks to you, we cheated death, he tells her. Now sometime in the future we're at a cookout. Kimberly says things seem to be getting normal. They send Brian to go check the grill. His life was saved by Rory. He was almost hit by the news van. The grill explodes, launching pieces of his body all over and his arm right on the table. And that's the ending. What would you think, Brian? How's your arm feel? <laughs> uh, it's a mixed bag for me um, as far as the ending goes. Loved Cat's airbag death. Sudden shock of it was fan-freaking-tastic. Um, you know, and I do kind of like how they humanize Rory to an extent. Um, right here where they, they've made him they made him be a dick the entire time um, you know Dustin talk, touched on that a lot but you know but when he asked about deleting a search history and stuff so he didn't break his mom's heart um, you know I liked how they they at least tried to humanize him a little bit and then bam holy shit his death I mean 
a lot of the gave me some Resident Evil vibes there, but that was pure CG where they they used all practical effects on this one, and it still is fantastic. You know, physics be damned, I know, but who gives a shit? I don't care. I thought it was, I thought it was great. Um, it was apparently a lot more gory too, but the studio made them tone it down on some. So fuck you, studio. Um, but I, I loved that one too. It just it looked so good. And I didn't I didn't like the Eugene stuff, honestly. I mean it felt it felt out of place. It was like a ghost was in there just like moving shit. It wasn't it wasn't like the accidents, you know, type of thing for the like like the rest of the kills. Um, you know, plus Kimberly killing herself. Shit. I mean, that shit didn't work for Alex. Um, I mean, Eugene I tried to kill himself earlier. Uh so why are we kind of led to believe that it worked here? Um and I and I know it wasn't Eugene's time to die, but I don't really, I mean, like I said, it didn't work for Alex. Obviously, spoiler alert, didn't fucking work here either. You know, I mean, did it only work because it was her turn? Again, I don't know. Clear should have been the last one, by the way, anyway, if it was working backwards, like I said. So, you know, plus the very end with the kid exploding, again, I don't know. It just kind of seemed super out of place to me. Um, There was like no emotional weight at all for what just happened. And I thought it was just kind of crappy writing to just be like well it's a few few months later and everybody's super happy again it just i don't know just kind of seemed like a cheap way out to me you know uh, she just went through everything um and like i said i know it's a little bit down the road still it just kind of felt like that they wanted one more shocking kill to for you to send you out on plus like i said spoiler alert they don't survive anyway because in final destination three you get another newspaper article that reveals both kim and and thomas were killed in a wood chipper accident off screen yet again so to me i don't know it's just really frustrating plus i can't think it's coincidence that kevorgian dr kevorgian sounds a lot like kevorkian yeah Um, a little bit (laughs) so (laughs) i didn't read that anywhere but kind of seems like one of those obvious little tie-ins there anyway but um that's all i had on the end yeah, so the ending has some hit and miss to me. Uh, as far as, you know, the kills go, which I think, again, is the main point of this film. I think Rory's death, which you touched on, is fantastic. Uh, whether that makes sense from a scientific standpoint, I don't think so. It but, man, matter. it's cool. The way they use the three dummy parts, I think it's awesome. It looks just like three big slabs of ham or whatever. Like, I think that's really cool, man. Um, you know, the cat in this movie, significantly worse than my fiance cat so i don't care about her death at all um she i she's kind of an irrelevant character to me uh so her kill like her death is fine but if we're just going on like kills as far as our main cast of characters she probably has probably my least favorite one um you know i i'm just not a big fan of the way they wrap it up because i said you know two sets of scenes ago i'm just not a fan of this pregnant woman storyline and this new life thing and getting her to the hospital and all of that stuff. Like, I'm just not a fan of the plot. And so all of that is kind of whatever. Then you get the death of Eugene and Clear. Man, I hate that fucking death. Everything in the room is like the conjuring. Like, everything's just moving around for no fucking reason. Like, that's, that's, I don't know. There's no rules for death. So I guess that is the rules, which I fucking hate. I think it's stupid. And then that is not the way Clear Rivers should go out, damn it. First of all, Clear Rivers should be alive sitting next to me talking about this movie with us but that's you know neither here nor there but I, look if if you're going to give a main character in the first two movies of this franchise a on-screen death 
I would have made it really, really cool. And all you really see is her face exploding in a CGI way. And I just don't think that's very, very good. And, you know, you get the hook where it's the new life. So if, if you know, she goes and kills herself, like that kind of, you know, hits the cycle all over again. And, and then come to find out she escapes death. Like that scene is really cool. The underwater stuff is really cool. But even for a movie that go that only goes an hour and a half, I think it just kind of runs long in the tooth. Like, eh, okay, let's move on here. I actually like that last kill at the very, very end. I think it's a fun little, you know, just a fun little way to kind of cap off a movie that's known for its kills. Like, I think it's kind of fun. And the arm falling on the <laughs> on the picnic table is, I think, funny in a good way, not funny in a hokey way. So I was a fan of that. But all in all, a really hit and miss way to kind of wrap up what I think is a really fun film. Yeah, um, I kind of agree. Uh, overall, though, I, I enjoyed the ending. So, Clear trying to get into the ambulance was funny to me. Like, bitch, who the hell you think you are? Like, you're not his <laughs> family. You're just trying to try to climb in the back of the ambulance. No, you don't have the... God, that's her trying to exercise her white female privilege right there. Um, the news van driver... You can get into my ambulance anytime. The news van was absolutely trying to murder someone. <laughs> murder, death, kill. Um, holy shit, he was driving like a bat MDK. out of hell. Um, yeah, MDK. Uh, the, the, you know, almost ran over the kid and then just was hauling ass in reverse and ran over the rock and busted the, the, the gas tank. Like, what the hell are you doing, guy? You need to have your license revoked. Um, I thought it was fucking hilarious and ironic that the jaws of life killed her <laughs> like she's in her car and bitching about can you make that thing quiet and he's like yeah i'll put it on quiet mode and then the jaws of life kill her like that is poetic justice i love it um respectfully and my man eugene oh and also we get a f- fantastic visual with a flying fence post and cutting rory in half like you guys said or not in half actually cut him into like thirds or quarters uh fantastic uh, practical effects there my man Eugene, he just he had it rough. Imagine being in a hospital bed and you can't move, you can't do anything about it, and you just see this shit happening. Like you see the machines rolling away and unplugging from the wall. You see the vents closing up. Like that's a rough way to go. Almost, um, I would have probably died of a heart attack or a panic attack before I actually let the machine kill me because that would have freaked me out. Um, so. The Kimberly and Burke love connection that we get here in, in this movie is so much better than the uh, clear and Devin Sawa love connection that they try to force upon us in the first movie. Like that was a yeah. we talked we talked about in that review. That's a weird love angle that they tried to throw on us and didn't make any damn sense. This will make sense. Yep. Like these people had near death experiences and they're spending a lot of time together. And, uh, you know, it, it just I. I thought that it made so much more sense. And I, I give this movie props in that regard. It's kind of a cop out with Kimberly dying to get a new life. Like you spend all this time making us think that it was the baby that had to die or whatever. Or the baby had to be born, whatever the fuck was supposed to be happening. And then all it took was Kimberly to quote unquote drown herself and then get brought back to life. Like, like you said, no, it didn't work when Eugene tried to come like that. It doesn't work historically in this movie. So it's a huge cop out to let that be the way that they live. And we get a feel good ending where the main characters lit. Like I, that didn't work for me, but overall 
it was a good enough uh, movie and the deaths were good enough to where I can forgive it. But Brian's death at the barbecue was funny as fuck. Like, uh, you knew some bad shit was going to happen because they're too happy. And he's like, oh, yeah, I almost died. And then you see the look on Kimberly's face. She's like, wait a minute. And then the explosion was perfect. But the best part about that was the seared arm just falling on the table right in front of mom. Like, oh, my God, I had to run it back. I was laughing my ass off. Props to that, because after all this, all this brutality, we needed a, a feel good laugh. To, it was not a feel good because he died, but we needed a good laugh to send us home. So overall, uh, <laughs> overall, it's a uh, it's a solid ending to a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. All righty. Uh, any more final thoughts before we jump into a couple of fan questions? I'm good. Oh, all right, uh, Hunter and Shan, you know, two of our best fans, they both asked, so who else avoids being behind log trucks because of this movie? Lawless. I think we all, all of us, we've all touched on that. Uh, I don't. And Shan had one more question. Go ahead, Dustin. Oh. I don't. I cause you don't? Especially when I don't avoid being log trucks because I'm just not superstitious like that. I, You know, if it happens, it happens. Not even normally. But also, I find it hilarious when you have someone riding with you in your drive, and you purposely drive behind a log a truck. I'm not superstitious. I am a little bit stitious, Michael Scott. That's the second Michael Scott reference. We're on fire. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do purposely drive behind log trucks sometimes when I have a passenger, just because it's funny to watch them squirm. I'm an asshole. I know. I would stick my dog shit covered boot in someone's face. Apparently. <laughs> All right, uh, and then Shan asked. So I think the way Devin saw was written out was garbage. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I kind of touched on that. I don't really like it either. Nah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have rather I'll them... be honest. He might have got this. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. But ahead, I was Justin. just going to say, I would have kind of rather them not uh, not mention him at all and just be like, he's off doing yeah, his I mean, own thing. Like, don't don't give him a death instead of giving us a bogus death. Because at least if his contract dispute gets settled down the road, maybe you bring him back later in the franchise. But you fucked that all up. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah, I, agree I mean, plus, I mean, plus, just, I mean, Clear just may be, you know, in the, in the area still. You could have still had her come and be in it, just, you know, him be out of the country. Or they split up, whatever. I right. think that's a fantastic idea. Yep, I agree with you, Dustin. But I will say, hot take, I like Kimberly better than him. All right, anywho, let's move on to some oh. fun facts. <laughs> uh, the accident on the highway was based on the 125 car pileup on Interstate 75 in Ringgold, Georgia, on March 14, 2002. An instrumental version of John Denver's Rocky Mountain High, the song that accompanied most of the deaths in Final Destination, plays in the dentist's waiting room. And the last fun fact I have, all from IMDb, a pigeon breaks through the window and gets inside the waiting room in the dentist's office. According to some superstitions, a bird being inside a building means that someone in the building will die. Or that's the only fun facts I got. I got just one. Um yeah, so you mentioned the Rocky Mountain High thing. Uh, the song was also being played when Rory was in the elevator. It was the elevator music that was playing. So they definitely, I like that they sprinkled that in there. It's a nice little Easter egg. Yeah, I love the continuity about that. There's a couple of those yeah. in this movie that I think they do really well. Um, I don't have fun facts, but here's your budget. $26 million, uh, and it made a cool $90.4 million, which is action enough for a sequel to me, in my opinion. That's... That's pretty damn good. So we get a third movie that's not very good at all because this made a lot of – but this is actually – here's one more fun fact. This is actually, unfortunately, the lowest grossing film in the franchise as far as box office goes. 
Um, that's unfortunate because that's crazy. it's the best one they have. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And look, let me just rant about horror movies for a minute. Or like, it's not even just horror movies, but it's like, it's like these franchise, like the heads of these franchises, these companies, like they've always thought that their fan bases are just like too stupid to follow a story. And after like movies got over a certain number in a franchise, they, it was almost like they went on the, well, if, if you have to have seen the others, then people won't come to them. Um, so they basically like stop putting numbers after them and they stop like giving them, you know, money for a, for a good budget. And, and they stop trying to tie them into the less to the other ones, you know, making them do like, you know, I mean, it, like they make them almost like standalone movies, kind of like the rest of this franchise is or whatever that don't tie really into anything else. And it's frustrating because like as a fan, you want them to tie in. You want them to feel like, or at least I do, you know, feel like that if you've seen the first few, you know, you're going to expound upon your experience like like Marvel does. You know, I mean, they they did it right. Star Trek does. But other than that, it's like just the franchise. It's like most of the franchises. And I don't know. It's just super frustrating to me. I mean, nothing screws up a, a, a movie more than studio interference and these old white guys are making these decisions that don't, I mean, the, they don't know what people want in these franchises. And I don't know. I just, I hate that this is the last one that ties into anything. And honestly, like why I've always just said that one and two were this franchise to me. I don't know. No, I do agree with you, Brian, just real quick. Like I agree with you. Like it, it's, it's fans are, fans are fickle in the words of, uh, Brian Danielson, former, known as Daniel Bryan at WWE. Fans are very fickle, so I tend to agree with you on that. Who wants to go first night in the rating? You want me to kick it off? Go ahead. Go ahead. Right, I'll kick it off. <laughs> All right, I'm really excited to hear everybody's favorite and least favorite kill because uh, there's so many to pick from. But my favorite kill, this one's always stuck with me, uh, is Rory. Even though this movie is full of great kills, this one's always been my favorite. My least favorite, this might be a reach, but it counts to me. Uh, Kimberly barely dying than being resuscitated. Least favorite kill. Uh, rating. Uh, I just wrote something real short. Favorite of the franchise. Uh, the log truck scene just sticks with me and a majority of horror fans and maybe even non horror fans. Uh, great kills throughout and always a fun watch. Uh, you know what you're getting with a Final Destination film, so just expect some ridiculous some ridiculousness, but just enjoy the cheese. And I gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, I've said everything I have to say about it. Really fun watch, short watch. I appreciate that. Best movie in this franchise, or excuse me, best yeah, best movie in this franchise. Um, it doesn't need a great story, but has an interesting one. Uh, it's not perfect. It's it's not some great, you know, president setting film. Like it's not awesome, but I do think it's a really fun watch. It's a good horror movie. Um, they do a lot right, and because of that, wait. Hold on, sorry. My favorite kill is actually the accordion kill. Of t- I, I, I go back and forth between that and Rory. And as much as I love the Rory one, I, I just want to be a little different here. I don't want to take the same kill as everyone else. Uh, my least favorite kill is Alex because he, he just gets a newspaper article and that's bullshit. So uh, that's my least favorite kill for sure. Um, I didn't count any of the premonition ones because if I did, the log, the log off the truck would have been my favorite kill <laughs> without question. Um, normally I would just say, fuck it. We make our own rules, but I, I decided not to go with any premonition kills, but my favorite premonition kill is the lock truck. That's freaking badass. I still love it. Yeah. Um, all that being said, I gave this movie a 7.5. I thought it was really fun. 
short, really good watch. Yeah. Hey, Dustin, since you picked this, I'll let you go ahead and go last if you're cool with that. Yeah, go um, ahead. My, mine's quick. I'm just going to say uh, my favorite kill actually was the fake out death of the log through through Thomas. Um, I liked I, I mean, almost every one of them in here. I almost liked every one of them because my, my, my least favorite kill I picked, um, yeah, how Kim and Thomas were, were killed off off screen and or Alex. So I kind of had both. I went the same kind of direction as you did with that, Mike. Um, I rated the first one a 6.75. Um, I went back and took a look at this. This is, to me, I, I don't know if I can give it an 8, but I gave it a 7.75. Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of the direction I went. Uh, we'll go with kills first. My favorite kill was uh, when I killed the idea of us reviewing Ghost of Mars. Um, okay. <laughs> but <seriously>. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, though, my favorite kill in this movie was Tim. Just because I thought he was a shit character that I didn't care about, and it was just an awesome effect. I figured that everyone else would pick Rory because it was awesome. So I was like, "Well, what's you know something different?" And, and it was definitely Tim. Um, but my least favorite kill was I went with Kimberly's three friends in the beginning, just because. Okay, so I get it. Alex was an off-screen death, but I counted that as a death didn't happen in this movie, so I didn't count it. Like it happened in between the first and the second. Um, Kimberly's fake out death. Kimberly's fake out death. I yeah, I get it, but in the end, she wasn't dead. It wasn't a fatality, a final death. So I didn't count it. So uh, the, the the three passengers, the horny girl and the stoner dude and the other dude uh, in the red SUV, just because everyone else got such creative deaths and they were just hit by a truck and incinerated like that. I didn't I didn't like it as much. Now, as far as rating goes, so I really enjoy this movie. Um, like I said, it was it's a fun movie to watch. It's high high uh, paced or fast paced. There's a lot of action, a lot of good creativity in the deaths. The practical effects are awesome. So I too went back and looked at how I rated the original, and I gave it a seven point five. Okay, I really enjoyed the first one, and I think the first one uh, needs more credit than it gets because it's the inspiration for the whole franchise. So I can't. Rate this one too much higher. I cheated, and I gave it a 7.55, so just slightly higher. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, so let me do the composite real quick. So I rated it the highest, Ali Larder. I don't know if you heard that, but I liked your movie the most. So just letting you know. Yeah, so that gives us a... And Mike's on mute. Mike's trying to talk, but it's a mute. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so I believe that gives us a seven point uh, two two six two five rating. Actually, that's not right. That's not right. Seven plus seven point seven five. There we go. Seven point four five rating. Sorry, my math wasn't mathing. Allie nice. Larder, if you're if you're listening, I rate Varsity Blues a ten, a ten, <laughs> <laughs> a fucking ten, a fucking ten. What about Legally Blonde? Hey, here's a conspiracy uh, theory. We get the uh, the <laughs> Final Destination universe and legally blonde one are in the same universe and after the events of the first one clear moved off and changed her identity and got in with some rich guy and was accused of murdering him and then so she checked herself into a mental hospital and that's where we pick up final destination two and then she got liposuction And there's there's probably four fans of our listeners that are going to get that reference <laughs> and three of them are here Hey, I'm cool with it. Go watch Legally Blonde. Don't be, don't be scared and confused. 
You got to bend and snap, brother. Bend and snap. Wow. Let's go. Anyway. <laughs> that was the uh, lowest of keys of I haven't seen that movie reference right there, Brian. Huh? When you said only three of us okay. know it. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> or <right>, anywho. <laughs> Let's give a quick shout out to our uh, – our new blood donors. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of the show, we started a reoccurring Patreon, just a little, you know, just a little monthly donation just to help us do the show. Camp level is Mr. Clayton J. Really appreciate you. And camp counselors, uh, my man, Hunter Nelson, really appreciate you. And a uh, big shout out to Andrew Ferguson. He's going to be our last uh, legendary blood donor film review. We're going to be doing that. Doesn't mean it's the last one. You can always, Check out don'tgooutthere.com and become a legendary blood donor. We are so excited by the participation in this blood donor campaign. For those of you who don't know or maybe new, we have launched a new Patreon campaign called Blood Donors. We have five donor tiers that range from, you know, just $5 monthly donation to even one-time donations as well. And, and in exchange for keeping the lights on, we've added perks such as early content to bonus episodes, autographed pictures, t-shirts, and even joining us for an episode of your choice. Any donation goes straight to helping with web hosting, SoundCloud hosting, guest procurement. Again, you know, just thank you guys and girls so much. We have some of the best loyal listeners. We love each and every one of you. We can't believe every day that we get to do this. Just go to don'tgooutthere.com and click donate. And oh yes, there will be blood. But again, not real blood. This is money, you animals. Uh, but next week, our next show we'll be doing is Andrew Ferguson's legendary blood donor pick of Predator. And I'm looking forward all to it. Right. It's an awesome movie. It's fun. I just want to tell our listeners, first of all, thanks for being blood donors and being on Patreon and all that. But we have a really good run of films coming up. Like, this is a really fun about month and a half that we're about to take part of. So I hope you're all ready because Predator – or actually, this movie kicked it off and then we're – we, you know, we're actually, they live kind of kicked it off. Out of that, we're out of the gate with a lot of Colorado Space so kicked I'm it excited, off. Excited, man. No, it didn't. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Only because Nicolas Cage was in it. The only reason it was good. Oh God, I'm going. All right, let's end this I'm show now. <laughs> uh, tonight was fun though. I, I had a good time, uh, Dustin. Uh, great, great yeah. call to Audible from. Uh, Thank you. Thank. What, well, whatever that so movie much. was. Uh, and uh, Venmo me $4.27, yo me. <laughs> uh, y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.